Hello and welcome back to the IDC Tech Talk podcast. I am your host, Miles Dawson, and today we're revisiting one of my favourite topics, RPA, or Robotic Process Automation, if you prefer. With me today, I have two guests. We have Neil Ward-Dutton and John O'Brien. Hello to you both. Hello. 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 So, uh, just quickly, if you could give our listeners a bit of an overview about your coverage at IDC. Uh, uh, Neil, do you want to go first? Yeah, sure. Um, it's lovely to be here, by the way. Thanks very much for having me on. Okay. Uh, so my name's Neil. I've uh, been at IDC for about six months, and um, I'm driving our work here in Europe uh, around digital transformation and also around AI and uh, also about the automation space. So we're going to talk a bit more about that uh, in a minute. Hi, it's great to be here. Um, yeah, so I'm fairly new to IDC too, uh, four months in. And I'm currently driving the research around European intelligent application services and going to be leading, co-leading with Neil, this new program around RPA. So um, you recently published a blog about RPA being the hottest software topic in the industry. So for our listeners who aren't necessarily familiar with this, it'd be great to hear about uh, what's happening and why. Right, yeah, absolutely. This is a very, very hot area, and there's no doubt about it. The, uh, the RPA vendors in the market, there's, there's three major players right now, but there's an ecosystem that's spanning numerous others um, in the dozens. But the, the top three players uh, have got huge valuations. They're combined today around $12 billion. And if you consider that they only generate around about $300 million in revenues, that's astronomical. And if you just give you a sense for the sort of hype at this stage, uh, UiPath, one of the uh, top three players, um, their valuation has has doubled, more than doubled in just the last six months alone. They're now valued at over seven billion dollars. So, um, so that's the first bit, of course. Yeah, we can we can say this is a hot market because we just look at the valuations. But if you look at why the valuations are so high, um, I think there's there's a couple of things that are really really uh, important to draw out. So the first thing is that. Um, Robotic process automation or RPA technology, um, fundamentally, its its value uh, is part of a bigger thing, which is the digital transformation thing that we all talk about all the time. Um, you know, often, uh, very often, organizations struggle to really scale their success because they hit real roadblocks. A lot of those roadblocks are around old systems um, that are very hard to really get into, to break open, to integrate with other things. And as organizations try and move beyond just digitizing the outside of their organization and then think about, well, how do we really improve our internal systems and processes, that roadblock becomes a huge, huge issue. Now, RPA technology, if you do it right, really enables you to unlock a lot of that, the value that, and the data that's in those legacy systems and enables organizations to, to really wire together the, the outside and the inside and the old and the new in a way that was very hard to do previously. So... So there's some really strategic value in this stuff. And I think it's also fair to say, John, tell me if you disagree. There's also fair to say that um, the, all the RPA vendors are also actively working with AI technology. And I think that's done, that's done yeah. nothing to dampen down the value, just the, the, kind of the, the heat that's in the AI space as well yeah. has also added into the valuations there. I don't know if you want to add anything more on well, that, John. Yeah, sure. The, um, the vendors themselves are trying to reposition themselves around the AI 
mantra. Um, so while core RPA, you could argue, and we can talk about it in a little bit, is, is commoditizing in, in the core technology itself. AI is where all the uh, sort of smart stuff is happening. And they're looking to partner a lot with the uh, these companies that are doing machine learning or some computer vision, for instance, or cognitive um, onboarding of, of, of digitized documents and things like that. So just a bit, but going back to what uh, Neil was saying about this legacy of technical debt, this is absolutely core cool because um, there is a huge amount of wasted revenue uh, that, that, that enterprises spend year on year on just maintaining these old systems and, and actually providing people to support them through administration. And this is where the real value, the potential value is in this technology. Um, just give you one, one example of what the opportunities are. One, one US bank that I've spoken to, it's a major, major bank, um, they're currently using RPA technology uh, to connect thousands of different applications that the, the are t typically legacy applications that they've built themselves. And which they're very high value applications, but they've used very infrequently. And, this, and so what they're doing is they're using RPA to connect these applications together rather than rebuild them from scratch. And it means the cost to serve to those clients is reduced really significantly as a result. And um, just to build on that, and I and acknowledge we, we could probably talk about this all day, Miles. <laughs> so, um, you know, uh, we don't have time, but uh, I'll just briefly add a little more a bit more to what John said. It's important to recognize, for anybody who's, who's not been around this space for a while, that of course, automating processes and, and system interactions is not new at all. It's been around for a while. Mm -hmm. But what organizations have really lacked for a long time is a way to cost effectively do it in what an, an economist might call a kind of long tail of, of use cases. So, you know, going back 10 years, 15 years, we had technologies that allowed organizations to, to digitize their core processes, but it was expensive and slow and complicated to do. And so they tended to only use it for those really kind of honking, great, big, heavy duty use cases. And so you, when it comes to a lot of administrative systems, um, that, that kind of long tail of use cases, it just wasn't economical to use those technologies. And RPA really cracks open that long tail and enables organizations to, 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 to tick lots and lots of stuff off their to-do list. And, and it potentially has a really, really uh, major impact on what organizations can do. And just adding to Neil's point on that, um, looking at how this market's evolving and in fact disrupting other sectors of the market. So it's it's impacting the BPO market. And I would also argue it's impacting the systems integration market because actually on BPO, effectively you're automating what um, low-level administrative tasks are being performed. So things like HR administration or finance administration, those sorts of things, even IT help desk support tickets, things like that are being automated by this. But actually also with systems integration, uh, potential for disruption there is significant because actually this technology can knit together applications which would otherwise have needed very heavy duty integration technologies to actually deploy. And that's, that's actually a very interesting point because with the BPO market, if um, is, is RPA going to be taking the role? of these outsourcing firms now? Are you going to be getting a software robot rather than um, contracting with a BPO firm? Well, it, you know, Miles, it's, it is starting to happen. I mean, if you look at companies like Capita, for instance, they used to be um, like the most reliable company to hit their numbers every year. And um, in the last two or three years, they've literally come unstuck. And, you know, automation is one of the biggest reasons for that. Um, yeah, so RPA, the technology around it, um, it is most definitely automating some of the back office work and it's moving towards the front office now as well. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so yeah, that, that is happening. Um, to give you a stat, Wipro um, announced two years ago that because of automation, it was going to reduce its workforce by 45,000 people. And that has now gone through the system. So that company has already made those moves and um, we're going to see more of that happening. No, see, that's really interesting. I've got actually got a friend who works at one of the big four auditing firms, and they use RPA quite significantly in their admin oh, functions. Yeah. And, um, and 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 that's the thing is that mm. they are hiring less people yeah. because they are using it. So this brings me kind of on to my next question: is that there has been a lot of talk about automation um, stealing jobs or maybe reducing uh, the scale and, and the prospect of, of new jobs, of growth, because mm-hmm. the growth would have been, you know, hiring new people is now being taken up by software robotics. Um, if you ask a lot of experts in the market, they seem they seem quite divided. You know, mm-hmm. some people say it is taking jobs, some people say it isn't. Mm-hmm. Where do you guys stand on this? Well, I we have different views. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, this is a test now, isn't it? Yeah. So, um, so I'll start off and then uh, get John to come in as well. So my view is it's, it's kind of both things are true. And in fact, John just gave a brilliant example of where this is absolutely taking jobs away. But I think it's really important to, to not look at the jobs market as, a, as one homogenous thing. Definitely. Right. So we've got a very complicated space to look at. So when you're looking at um, those kind of single function, very task focused, routine uh, routine work roles that exist many uh, in many places offshore in BPO environments, those absolutely, I would say, are under a lot of pressure from this kind of stuff. When you get into enterprises themselves, those people who'd be the clients of the BPOs, I think it's much more nuanced. There are certainly, you know, when you look at big multinationals that run their own shared services centers, for example, around HR or around IT or around finance, there are probably some roles there which will I think similarly be affected. But when you look at how this technology is is starting to really scale in organizations where organizations are, are, are making it scale, it is a much more um, it's a much more open question. and and certainly, um, and I think this is true for you as well, John, when I've spoken to organizations that have successfully used this stuff, um, their overarching uh, interest is actually redeploying. So it's not about getting rid of people. Actually, what it's doing. So one way of looking at this is is to say, well, you know, that you can either use automation to take people out of a process. And that's kind of like process first thinking. How do we just reduce the cost, take people out? And we've already, that's what we've just kind of talked about. But the other way is to look at it, look at the telescope the other way around and say, how do we take the really dull work away from people? And, and allow people to be a lot more creative, a lot more value adding in the work they do. And when you look in enterprises uh, where they're using this, for example, around in, the, in their legal departments, in IT, in customer service, in sales, in marketing, in operations, those by and large are, there are tasks being taken away from people, but it's actually enabling people to do much more creative, more fulfilling work. And I think that's a much more positive message which will ultimately drive more successful organizations. Because if you're telling people, mm, we're going to bring this stuff in and your job's under threat, they're not likely to want to cooperate. If you're able to frame it in a positive way and say, we are taking the stuff you don't really like, yeah. we're giving that to a robot so you can really focus on the stuff that's more interesting, whether it's dealing with customers or whatever, mm-hmm. that's the kind of stuff people can get behind. If you really explain it in a, in a, in a in a clear way that makes sense to them. Definitely, John. What, what what's your what's your view on it? I completely agree. I'd also say <laughs> that's good. He's Neil's putting his hands in the air. Um, 
I also say I think the application of AI is going to make that even more the case because actually um, when you're robotizing some of the sort of administrative work that people don't want to do but yeah I think AI has potential to create new jobs that we've not thought about yet and support people to do what they do best I mean if you think about unleashing their creativity and other uniquely human traits like empathy and emotional intelligence and the reason I bring this up is because I think like um, if you look at IBM's project debater for instance it's really good at recounting facts and data but it's actually not very good at sort of bringing the whole argument together in a cohesive way using inferences and nuances and language and things like that so I, I do think that we're going to see new jobs created as a result through the AI and RPA coming together. Definitely I mean this is one of the things that my my aforementioned friend who works at one of the big four auditing firms he he, he was telling me how his job before uh, they got the RPA police in place was was admin heavy right. whereas now he's almost become a kind of programmer and a lot oh. of what he does now is about efficiency and process and mm. improving mm. what they already have and linking things together and he's finding it a much more fulfilling uh, fulfilling job now but this is the key thing is that even though they've redeployed the people that used to do these jobs they're not growing anymore. They're not hiring new people when they used to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a, there's absolutely a, um, a kind of more of a, I suppose, um, a digital business model uh, going forward. So just to come back to the the point you were making there, Miles, I think um, if we if we look at the the, the skills uh, and the, and the kind of uh, the work environment stuff that John was just talking about, what you were just explaining there, Miles, about your uh, your friend's situation is, is another really important point that we shouldn't forget, which is that um, as you start to bring automation in, if you do it in the right way, you actually increase people's agency as well, which gives them more fulfillment, right? So, you know, what organizations are not saying is to all these people who are doing admin work, well, I'm sorry, you know, you've got to use all these systems. You're not going to like it. They don't work very well. And you're going to spend a lot of time rekeying and copying and pasting. Uh, and what's more, I'm afraid we can't really change it, so you're stuck. What what we're now seeing organizations saying is, well, we're going to employ some technology that will make it easier. And what's more, we're going to give you the skills so you can participate in the improvement and the change. And that makes uh, that makes the environment a lot more positive and a lot more interesting for people who really want to improve the, the environment they're working in. So I think there are lots and lots of upsides. But like you say, you know, it's... Um, like with anything to do with automation and digitization, there's a balance to be struck. All right, that was really interesting. So based on the growth you were talking about earlier on in the podcast, it'd be interesting to know what you think is coming up next. I mean, is this growth maintainable at this rate? What do you think is next for this market? Well, I think what's happened so far is that there's been a lot of proof of concepts and trials of, of RPA technology in the enterprise and it's now to the point where they're looking to scale it because they've 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 kind of learnt some examples they've they've kind of gone through some of the pain but they now want to to sort of take it to that next level and that's kind of taking it beyond just one department and actually beginning to sort of commoditize it right across the uh, right across the enterprise um, and that's so scaling is that is the really big issue out there right now and um, I think that's multiple the multiple challenges associated with that for instance orchestrating different systems and technologies and bringing together different departments so it's a cultural aspect as well as a technological challenge as well and um, you've also got to bring on board new partners new consultants and you know champions within the business you've got to get people on board you've got to 
kind of look at new stakeholders that are really behind this as a means to change the the culture of the organization not not just see it as a way to cut costs but actually transform things in that digital transformation that that Neil was talking about so John made a really really important point about scaling and one of the features of that as as John actually mentioned was that the the tech vendors who've specialized in this particular part of of the technology space uh, the RPA space are now having to partner with more vendors and bring a, a constellation of tools and and platforms together and uh that's also being driven by the fact that the core technology is commoditizing. So, you know, the, the, the core technology that has created this market in the first place is starting to, uh, is starting to decrease in price. It's, in many cases, the vendors are proactively giving it away. Um, and so you're seeing that classic as the market matures, they're, they're moving up the value stack, adding more and more technology, partnering more. Uh, trying to bring more technologies together to create broader toolkits of automation technology. So, um, you know, there's an awful lot of change in this space. And of course, as the core technology commoditizes and as the RPA players start to bring in, um, you know, partnerships with workflow and case management and decision management and AI vendors, um, you're seeing new types of competition, uh, co-opetition happening. Uh, there's an awful lot of change and dy- dynamism yeah. in this marketplace, which makes it super, super interesting for us, but also, uh, you know, quite challenging for enterprises, so that, which yeah. comes back to John's point again about the importance of advisors, third parties in helping people to kind of unpick all of the complexity that's out there. Absolutely. That's, that's what those guys do best. Um, you know, they, and, they're, and they're looking to bring in their subject matter experts to help the enterprise really understand the challenges that they have uh, to bring on board these technologies. And, and you know, they aren't wedded to any particular technology either, so they have an advantage in that respect as well. Thanks, guys. Now, this has been a super interesting conversation. I'm really glad that you came on the show today. So the last question I've got for you is um, IDC's research in this area, because I understand you're both co-leading a new practice that's going to be focused on this area, or particularly focused around intelligent process automation. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Right. So, in fact, this kind of leads seamlessly on from the the last question. It's almost as if we planned it, right? So um, the, the... as we were just saying, you know, the, this, the, the automation space is changing quite quickly and it's not really possible to look at RPA it, on its own anymore. There's a broader spectrum of things happening. That, so there's fundamentally uh, four key pieces that are all, all kind of swirling around each other. There's the RPA stuff, there's AI, there's workflow and integration platforms. And you'll see out there in the market that all of these things are actively coming together. Um, and we think that for any organization serious about driving an automation strategy, they're going to need to think about all of these things together. So um, we are set to launch the continuous service in October, but we're already uh, actively working in this space. In fact, we've got three consulting projects ongoing right now. Um, I'm uh, co-leading this with John, uh, and we've got a few other people already uh, in the practice. So we've already got five people actively working in this space right now, and we're going to be recruiting more people from IDC Europe to come and help us. It's a it's a really exciting time. John, was there anything you want to add? So the only thing I'd add to that is um, we are going to be putting a European focus on this. So we have um, already an IPA practice that's worldwide, headed up by Maureen Fleming. And uh, we're going to be putting a European flavor onto this. So looking specifically at the dynamics and drivers and opportunities within the European market, because they are fundamentally quite different from um, a worldwide focus. 
Alright, thank you Neil and John, and I'm afraid everybody, that is all the time we have for today. Please do get in touch with us though, if you'd like to offer comments or thoughts, we love to hear feedback on the discussions on the podcast. Check us out on YouTube, on LinkedIn, or on Twitter, we're under IDC Amir, and please get involved with the discussion. We'll also put a link to the blog that Neil mentions um, in the description of the podcast below, so please do have a look. And of course, don't forget to subscribe. Uh, you can subscribe to the podcast. Uh, you can follow us on Spotify, on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, or really wherever you get your podcasts. So thank you all very much, and see you next time. Thanks a lot, Miles. Cheers. Thanks, Miles. <laughs>